Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover 2 Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. The Cover 2 Resources podcast is an ongoing series in which we interview experts in the fight against opioid addiction. It is made possible through donations and sponsorships from concerned individuals or organizations. If you want to help in the fight against opioid addiction, please consider donating or sponsoring the Cover 2 podcast. Go to cover2.org for more information. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources. Today, there are more than 14,500 drug and alcohol treatment facilities in the U.S. Drug and alcohol rehab is now a $35 billion industry. A patient can be worth $40,000 or more per year in insurance claims for a rehab facility. The industry has become increasingly competitive, and lead generation companies awarding leads for patients to the highest bidder is commonplace. Last week, an article in the New York Times outlined a few of the hard-sell tactics now used in the industry in an eye-opening article titled, A Doctor with a Phone and a Mission. The article profiles one man's quest to expose hard-sell tactics that are regularly used in the rehab industry. Here to talk with us today is Dr. Alan Goodwin, a psychologist who spent decades in the field of addiction treatment from Palm Beach, Florida, who embarked on a months-long personal mission to understand the ethically murky business of customer acquisition in the rehab industry. So, doctor, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to take part in this presentation. Okay. Every month, more than 200,000 people seek treatment for substance use disorder over the phone, online, or on television. Now, you discovered what a uh, commodity they can be while you did some research for a presentation. So tell us a little bit about that day. Yes, that moment of awakening uh, was fascinating but scary. When I was doing maybe a year, year and a half ago, a presentation to the Palm Beach Drug Awareness Coalition the next day, and I need to ask their executive director uh, just some basic questions, how many people, et cetera, et cetera. And to my surprise, when I Googled the number, called it, said it had been disconnected. And then before I could hesitate, or, or the voice on the phone could hesitate, it said, we're now going to redirect you to a drug referral hotline. So, the Palm Beach Drug Awareness Coalition phone number had been hijacked. Their calls were going to a call center. Um, I got a message saying, if you have no insurance or Medicaid, press 1. If you have insurance, press 2. And 
I spontaneously pressed two, and this voice came on the line saying, did I or a loved one need treatment? Did I or a loved one need treatment? This is the famous line. And um, so I said myself, and uh, then I was connected. This is, again, going back about a year and a half, so some of this a little foggy, but I was connected uh, to a, 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 a second party. First party answered the phone, then a second party, and the second party immediately tried to get at my insurance information. And in my spontaneity, creativity, or uh, some people have described it as stupidity, um, <laughs> I quickly announced that I was a very wealthy individual, and I was not interested in using my insurance, but was, would gladly pay. So you made up a per- and, persona, right, off the cuff? Yeah, I picked up what I called one of my characters. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they asked me a few questions, and uh, which I shared. Essentially, I was... Uh, I again, one of my characters. I was 67 years old. Um, I um, had Alzheimer's. Uh, my 21-year-old son had uh, uh, said, "Dad, if you shoot heroin, it'll help your Alzheimer's." In the meantime, I said, "My wife, my crazy uh, wife, was downstairs drinking the scotch." Interesting. Dr. Goodwin began actually making up personas with outlandish stories to gauge the reaction of the callers answering his calls. But then I just got crazy as a loon. I mean, really cognitively uh, distorted um, because I, Hmm. uh, and this carried on to a treatment center uh, conversation who they referred me to called Palm Partners. So it's interesting, yeah. though. I mean, this sounds off the cuff for, for me, anyhow. Sounds pretty implausible, your story there. How did, oh, how yeah. did the person my on the other end is, sound? How did they receive it? Well, again, what is distressing, disturbing, and angering is that this Palm Partners admissions person uh, just basically listened to this, uh, for lack of a word, pretty crazy guy, cognitively messed up. And, um, um, and, and again, I, uh, I'm very familiar with these basic programs. You know, they're 12-step, they're group-oriented. This guy could have no more functioned in a group, uh, with, particularly with his Alzheimer's. And, um, and but... They were very excited about me coming. They could help me. Uh, they had a full contingency of staff. Uh, they did um, uh, evidence-based practices, da 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 da, and uh, they. Uh, we got into the discussion of money, and I could bring my cashier's check for thirty or forty thousand dollars, and uh, they were sending a car. Um, I, I told them I wear really live in Palm Beach. I was about 30 minutes north of them, and they were going to send a car. At this point in his conversation, it became clear, no matter how outrageous his story has got, referral to a treatment center was a certainty. At that point, I said, hey, 
I have to get forthright. I'm Dr. Alan Goodwin. I'm a psychologist. I've been in this field, related field, a long time. Uh, this doesn't make sense to me. And this person got, I still can remember, very defensive. You're wasting my time. And I kept pursuing my, um, my concerns, which have stayed very focused over the last year and a half, that, number one, how could you uh, deal with someone, make clinical decisions over the telephone, uh, which I have concerns with, and second, who was I really talking to? And I was talking to a person in recovery who probably, uh, who knows how much uh, good recovery they had, but their job was to basically throw out the net and bring in the bodies. Uh, there was not a professional involved. When I challenged this, and, and I'm sort of generalizing to some of my other calls, frequently when I was, I was told that, um, well, when I got there, they would uh, decide I was not an appropriate candidate. Um, I asked, as I did with all these centers that I spoke to, I said, um, uh, please let, have, let me talk to your clinical director or your head person. Let me share my concerns with them. I never heard from them. Uh, and that was, there were several or three or four scenarios on that. Number one, I'd never hear back from people. Number two, they would call me very yes, 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 and never heard back anything. Three, they would get, uh, very hostile. I, in two organizations, um, I actually I ended up talking their, to their attorneys who uh, said, threatened to sue me, and da 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 da. And I said, thank you. And um, uh, it, uh, you know, it, 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 again, it was just concerning. My two focuses became number one, who are these people calling and why are they persisting and the heavy-handed uh, contacts or the stimulus with the TV ads like what I refer to as the man in blue, the TV ad where the guy in blue scrubs announces, uh, we can help you with your drug addiction, da-da-da, and goes on and on and on. 800 number pops up. So and There are some disclaimers but you can't read the disclaimers. There's small letters that come up very quickly. And uh, I'm sure that it's a very seductive ad for certainly unsophisticated consumers. So, but what you discovered and what you learned is really this lead generation kind of uh, little business that's out there, whereby um, they'll either hijack the number or they'll average. big business. I agree with you. Yeah, big business. So they'll either hijack the number or it'll be a, a number that's out there. And, and they receive calls and then they've got a bunch of different clients. And based upon um, the patient, they'll go ahead and refer out that client to one of those clients, treatment centers, if you will, that is going to pay them back some type of a commission, normally $50 or more per lead. Is that about right? And again, that's a part of the business I, I really don't fully understand. There was, actually, I just came back from London for four days, 
And the day I was leaving in the London Times, that cover article was about this lead generation. Well, in England, they these generators actually get a percent of the revenue. So if I end up uh, at Palm Partners or I end up at, let's say, one of the sovereign health centers, saying we were in England, um, they would get a percent of the revenue. So if it's $40,000 or $60,000, I assume it also includes the urine screens and everything. If it's $400,000, they get a percent of that amount. To my knowledge, nobody can't really do that here in America. But I, I don't know if they, if let's say Sovereign Health, which was one of, and they have multiple programs, uh, was one of the uh, contractees with the a line. Um, are they paying a monthly fee, or are they paying a fee per contact? So if they get rotated to uh, 200 times in a month, they pay X number of dollars, or do they just pay a flat fee uh, for any calls they get? It would. I could never quite figure out the rotation of calls. You may call and you would get, uh, again, Palm Partners, or you may call and get one of the uh, Sovereign Health Centers, et cetera, et cetera, Palm Beach uh, Treatment Center. Uh, but um, you would, um, um, I don't know what the business model exactly was. So here in our country, the addiction treatment industry isn't really like carpet cleaners, locksmiths, or personal injury lawyers where referral fees are regularly paid. Patient brokering or paying that referral fee for leads is actually an illegal practice in a lot of states, including Florida. So how in Florida have you witnessed that they're able to kind of get away with that? Well... I'll give you one example, and again, because of my mischief, and my, sometimes my number got out there, or I have my cell, and we have two lines in the house, and um, so we would, there was one line which sounded like it was an offshore um, line, uh, which was con connected to a call center here in West Palm. But they were calling our house number, our primary house number, five times a day. Again, sounding like an offshore voice. And um, finally, I had a few minutes, so I jumped in and, again, was connected to a treatment center. Um, uh, but it's the... You're taking a person who's in terrible pain, a family or an individual, and uh, they're not a sophisticated consumer. They're an unsophisticated consumer. They're in crisis. The, the, they're in crisis uh, mode on top of it, right, doctor? They're in what? Crisis mode. Oh, yeah, they're in crisis. As I said, they're in the utter pain. They're scared. Uh, they're overwhelmed. Uh, 
Uh, the only thing they can, let's say if you're a parent, uh, the only thing you can say, think that your 24-year-old is somehow going to shoot something and die. And you've got you to do something. And uh, 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 one of these guys comes on the line and says, well, I had wonderful treatment. I'm, I'm now clean. Uh, I'm living a productive life. Uh, I can get you the same thing that I got. Now, that's very, very seductive. Yeah, if I'm that's, a parent. it's compelling. If I'm an, Absolutely. If I'm, an, if, if I'm an individual, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. That if I really have had it and I get someone, uh, then, um, it, you know, and they're good. They're very good. Um, um as a parent, I've been on those calls, Doctor. I know, oh, okay. I know yeah, those I, calls. I, I experienced sure that have. myself personally. And, um, you know, I was going to say, if you, I could easily enough get to one of these lines. Yeah, but, but interestingly, a lot of my numbers are now blocked. The, the man in blue numbers have me totally blocked. Because I was, um, uh, I can't remember, was I in New York? Or, I've seen these ads in California, New York, Alabama, Florida, of course. And um, so occasionally if I was in a hotel room and I was just sitting there for a few minutes, it would pop up. I'd call the number for my cell phone, and it, it immediately is blocked. Uh, but that operation appears to be out of Miami. Um, and the actual guy apparently is a doctor. His name, first name is Tony. And um, I don't know how he gets away with that. But it's, it's, the, the problem, the basic problem is um, the solution. Not, there's not a clean solution, but the, is that we really do not have good public awareness on if you're in crisis, what can you do with somebody except with someone out there, really, the agenda is to take your money as opposed to do good treatment. And I know good treatment providers. There's a lot of them. But there's some off-fluid, uh, miserable stuff out there. I've probably dealt with 15, 18 centers. 15 to 18 centers. Okay. And with different personas for each one, different scenarios. So and sometimes the same persona. There was a little changes. They reigned, there were three basic characters, and I want to answer your question. One was my 67-year-old Alzheimer's guy. Uh, the other was um, a 18-year-old nice uh, kid who had was in his freshman year at Duke University, came from a good Christian home, uh, showed up Thanksgiving, told his father the last weekend he had tried weed, and the father said, I think you need treatment. Uh, I think you need to call, and again, one of these numbers. He called one of the numbers, um, got to a program, God, New Direction, something like that. Um, and um, I, again, I called. And uh, I pretended, this old man pretended like he was 18. And I, I said, told the story, and they were immediately 
bringing me there into their sober home, uh, which obviously probably had primarily uh, opiate abusers. And uh, they were, um, they said I, I would come in on that Friday and I'd come in right away. You know, here's a kid who's tried marijuana. Certainly not clinical criteria for that level of care. And then they would assess me that Monday. But again, you're, you're putting a, a vulnerable kid in, the, in a mix which isn't very healthy. The article in the Times also profiled how call centers auction off leads to treatment providers. Here to tell us more about that practice is Ben Court, a consultant to rehab clinics who was quoted in the Times article. So Ben, welcome. Hey, thanks very much, Greg. Appreciate you taking on this subject. Okay. You've been exposed to the way that call centers go about, I'll call it patient brokering. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. There's, um, th- there are a couple of services out there that actually um, do a real-time auction based on patients' um, demographic data. So a lot of the times you'll call into these call centers, and I know the um, the, the doctor and the Times did this as well, and I've made a bunch of kind of secret shopper calls, but you call in, they'll take basic information, um, and then you'll go on hold, and the value of your lead is, is based on a couple of things, uh, but most of it is your uh, ability to pay, your insurance, your cash position, et cetera, and then it's their age and gender and drugs of choice and that sort of thing. And... Um, it's a little bit like eBay. You know, you'll, you'll have folks who will kind of pre-register to not go above a certain dollar mark for uh, certain types of clients. And, you know, this sort of thing exists in lots of different businesses, uh, I, I guess lots of different um, spaces and in different industries. And in many of them, it's not an issue. It's just the person who's willing to pay the most for uh, a lead, a business lead, ends up getting it. The problem with using this sort of tactic inside of our space is it really promotes this um, one-size-fits-all idea to addiction treatment that all you have to do is pair up um, someone with substance use disorder with someone who has hung a sign out front and said that they're a treatment program. Uh, The treatment of substance use disorder and the co-occurring mental health disorders that oftentimes accompany it is one of the most complex um, medical conditions that that we grapple with inside of our society. So you you can't match somebody up with the best treatment based on how old they are and how much money they have to pay. You got to go a little bit deeper than that. So how would someone avoid falling prey to this? Um. There's actually a bit of a trick to some of this, and I'll tell you, the, the thing that has allowed it to exist is I, I don't think anybody's fault, although people have taken um, advantage of the situation, and then that is, is not okay to do, but it's because people seek treatment in crisis, and it's a huge amount of money that they are um, getting ready to spend or have spent on their behalf, and it it almost always happens in the midst of a time of crisis. It's not like, you know, it's a, a lot of the time the same amount of money is buying a car, and we will research buying that car for quite some time, but because we're always reacting to um, 
the, the nuttiness that is addiction and the awfulness that it's throwing at us, we make the decision quickly. And we throw something into Google and we call the first 800 number that we see up there. Um, I think that the best way that people can avoid this is by do calling direct numbers for treatment programs. And I would tell you to start with local programs and certainly make several different phone calls. Um, if you're going to put a loved one into treatment or if you're going to go into treatment yourself, um, get a notepad, decide on the three or four different ones that you're going to call, give them a buzz and see what fits the best. But I, I don't call 800 numbers. I, I look for a local phone number on the bottom and um, that way you will avoid call centers and you'll avoid people auctioning your data off and things like that. And in talking to those, those local providers then, are there some things that they should avoid or, and some things that they should ask specifically? Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much for asking that question, Greg. Um, so th there have been numerous things written on how to find appropriate treatment centers. Some of them get a little bit wordy, so let me make it super-duper easy for you. Um, the very first thing that, that you want to do when you're calling in is to make sure that it is the appropriate level of care. If somebody needs um, soup to nuts, from an acute detox process through, they're not going to go to sober living. And, you know, sometimes you have sober living facilities that have, uh, quote, partner detoxes. Um, if somebody is farther along in their journey and they have already detoxed and now we just need to help them, you know, tie it all together, we don't need to send them to a hospital-based program where they're going to have um, MDs looking in on them for the first three or four days. So first, understand the level of care that this person needs. And if you have a question about that level of care, ask one of the professionals who more than likely is involved in your life. And that's going to be um, a physician, a psychologist, a therapist. Um, th those are huge. The other big thing that you want to look for is local first. Now, local is not always right for people. And there are plenty of times when folks have to get out of town to get sober. It's a good thing for them. But you are much less likely to fall victim to some sort of predatory scheme if you're having conversations with people who are in your community. And the best part about that, and I would encourage every single person who's considering treatment themselves or a loved one, go tour a facility. And if a facility will not open itself up to show you around for 45 minutes, uh, call a different number on your list. And if you go in and you get a hard sell and it's a salesman, timeshare kind of a thing, go to a different facility on your list. But there is, I think, the, the smartest thing anybody can do is go in and look at a physical location. And they'll decide if it's right or wrong for them after that. It's not saying um, that you go and then you check in, but see it, demystify it, ask your hard questions there. Well, Ben, thanks very much. This has really helped to round things out and round out our understanding of the practice of brokering patients and auctioning them off. Well, again, I appreciate you taking on this, this subject. It's a tough one, uh, but we've got to cover it. Today, we've been talking with Dr. Alan Goodwin, a decades-long addiction field specialist, and Ben Court, a consultant to rehab clinics who helped illuminate how companies exploit people looking for treatment by referring leads to the highest bidder 
and selling the highest priced treatment services irrespective of needs. My name is Greg McNeil. I'm the founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for joining us for this Cover 2 PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. With your support, the Cover 2 team can continue to research and broadcast these resources to others in need. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.